Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show Episode 26, my name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got Tasha, and we've got Alicia, and guys, reflecting on the 2021 season, I mean, it was another great year of footy, but, you know, you can't help but get a little bit sentimental as you look at some of the players that will no longer be playing uh, in the NRL or rugby league after they've retired. So, my question straight off the top, Alicia, is, yeah, which player are you going to be sad to see uh, who, yeah, who, who won't be playing in the NRL next year? Well, got me thinking a little bit, Dan, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, watching guys run around as teenagers and now suddenly they're retiring. It's like, geez, we're all getting old, aren't we? But um, I've gone with the Morris brothers as a combination just because I think it was fitting that they're going out. Um, obviously, in Brett's case, not on his own terms, but, you know, they're going out as a combination and um, as a brotherhood there. So, uh, yeah, you can't go past them. They've scored over, what, 250 tries between them and, uh, what they've done for the game. And and you'll even find Queenslanders that can appreciate, you know, what those guys did during origin period and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's the Morris brothers for me. Yeah, that, they're definitely going to go down in history. And there's just some players that you're just glad that you got to see, watch, you know, play. And, and, and Brett and Josh, uh, you know, we're never, you know, well, who, who's, I guess you, you can't say never, but, um, yeah, that, that they're a very rare combination of talent within within that within that same family. All right, guys. Well, look, for me, uh, you know, it's a difficult one because we do have a big list of players uh, that have retired from the game, but mine was Boyd Cordner. And, you know, I've been following Boyd uh, since he was very, very young uh, coming through. And, yes, the Knights did miss out on yet another very talented player because, you know, Boyd, he had a very, very difficult start to his career. He had quite a number of injuries coming through, and there was a lot of people that wondered if this star, young, talented player would actually even make it. But, you know, he stumbled into this uh, amazing system and, um, you know, he's, he's obviously just created an unbelievable legacy. And, you know, you look at his CV in terms of what he's been able to achieve at club level, at state level, uh, and, and, and obviously representing his country. So, yeah, Boyd Cordner, um, yeah, an, an unbelievable player, an unbelievable leader, um, a great guy. And, um, yeah, unfortunate to see the way things ended for Boyd, but... Um, yeah, again, another play that I was really happy that I got to that I got to watch. Uh, Tasha, what about yourself? Again, a really tricky question off the top, but um, yeah, which retiree uh, will you be? I guess yeah, it's sad to see leave the NRL. Yeah, Dan, I cannot go past somebody that's been there. Um, it's going to be so weird that he's not there next year after nineteen seasons, thirty-five years of age. He just recently um, played in the grand final. He he won a grand final with the Tigers, and I'm talking about Benji Marshall. I'm so going to miss that man not running around in the NRL next year. Yeah, he and I, and I guess, you know, what, what makes a, a great player is obviously all that he was able to produce, but, you know, imagine all of the young juniors that, you know, decided to, to play rugby league, you know, and, and you think about all the players that are currently playing, you know, who were definitely influenced by Benji and that flick pass and all those special moments that he had. But, uh, yeah, definitely up in our fields today as we reflect on a lot of amazing players that have retired. But, yeah, wish them all the very, very best uh, in retirement. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave 
No regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. Yeah, and this week on The Huddle, we're going to be looking into the curious case of the New Zealand Warriors. And Alicia, when you talk about champion players and star players, it doesn't get any bigger than one Roger Tuivasa-Shek. And, you know, I, I guess what all the fans are nervous about and what everyone's kind of pondering this offseason is, you know, without RTS, what, is, what does this Warriors franchise look like moving forward? Well, they already had a bit of a sniff when he did go mid-season, I think that in a way, is going to help them. You know, in 2022, they've played a few games without him and, um, you know, they played pretty well in some of those games. So I think they take a little bit of confidence out of it. But um, we've seen in the past, you know, trying to replace these champion guys long-term takes a little while to do. But, um, you know, there's no doubting what Roger's done, obviously, for that club. Uh, but I feel like, I mean, looking at a guy like Reese Walsh, who I'm sure we're going to touch on, I feel like he's more than a suitable replacement moving forward. And, um, I don't know. I think that they'll be all right. I think they'll handle it a little bit more than, say, you know, losing a champion halfback or hooker. Yeah, look, I think it's an amazing loss. Um, Roger is just like a great captain. He's outstanding on the field and off the field. And we talked or I spoke earlier about um, the player that's retiring and uh, it being Benji Marshall and every kid doing the Benji in the backyard, you know, the flick pass. But my word, have you not, can anybody emulate his sidestep? Like RTS left so many people, so many really good fullbacks standing still. He has a sidestep that I have not, not seen in my entire time watching rugby league. So, yeah, a great loss. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, Alicia, uh, to your point, what does soften the blow uh, is the signing of, you know, well, a very special young player in Reese Walsh. And, you know, we've spoken a lot about Reese, you know, throughout different episodes, and we've kind of touched on it from the Brisbane Broncos angle as well. Uh, just, you know, a little bit of curious curiosity, I guess, as to how you could let such a star young player go. But, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your initial thoughts on Reese Walsh, you know, coming into the Warriors system. And, yeah, it, it certainly looks like they've got one hell of a player. Yeah, absolutely. I think we did refer to it in the in the Brisbane Broncos review that it's pretty hard to sort of, uh, you know, say that he was one to get away when you're being offered half a million dollars at his age. Like, it's pretty hard to compete if you're the Broncos trying to keep all your young guns. So, um, yeah, look, he was pretty impressive. I think he showed he was pretty raw and still has a long way to go in terms of learning, you know, that maturity about his game. But definitely the spark and the speed and and all that X factor that, um, you know, we've seen Roger Tulvasashek play his whole career. I feel like Reese Walsh has shown glimpses of that, um, you know, but I think it's going to take a bit of time, um, obviously, to, to, for him to really come out of his shell. And, um, yeah, I don't think they could have got many other sort of a, a better young up-and-coming player as a replacement. Um, but now it's sort of going back to step one and, and building your team around a guy like Reese Walsh. Yeah, look, he's outstanding. I mean, for a rookie, he just burst onto the scene. He makes some really fantastic attacking decisions. Um, he pops up on the edge. Um, and then earlier in the season, you, you saw um, him, like, getting away with that. But then I saw, um, you know, 
teams following him and and attempting to shut him down. So I think that, um, you know, he won't fly under the radar from game one next year and he's an outstanding player, don't get me wrong, but I did notice also um, defensive teams started to target him in defence. Now, he's not a big bloke, um, so, yeah, I think if anything to work on in the off-season, I know he's just developing his game, but I think the teams are targeting him in defence and maybe that's something that uh, Nathan Brown needs to look at. 100%. You're spot on. I was going to mention that as well, the fact that teams sort of worked him out, you know, after five or six weeks, especially when the headlines popped up and he was winning them a few games. Um, you know, that's something that he's going to have to work out in the preseason. Obviously, he can't change his size too much, given the position that he plays, but it's more just around, you know, how do I get involved in the game a little bit more? And then the same thing happened with Caelan Ponger, you know, when he had that great year with the Knights in that mm-hmm. first year and then teams started to work him out. I think Cronulla tried to rough him up at one point. Um, you know, physically, the physicality of it and, you know, fullbacks are sort of, they get targeted running back into the line and all that sort of thing. So he's just going to have to sort that out and, and probably, you know, use his winger a bit more in terms of just the yardage carrybacks and kick returns. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And I guess looking at the New Zealand Warriors as a team, and, and Tasha, I'm going to go to you because I'll, I'll come back to Alicia in, in a little bit. But myself and Alicia, I, I think we've seen this picture before. Uh, this New Zealand Warriors rebuild looks eerily familiar uh, in terms of what Nathan Brown was able to do in uh, you know up up there with with the Newcastle Knights because you know you think about that circuit breaker player you know that star young player coming Caitlin Ponga you got Reese Walsh who's coming to the system and then obviously you've got a, a team that's all over the place in terms of inconsistency well how do you how do you make a team more consistent you know what, what what's something you can do well you look for an experienced player in a key position. So, you know, in Newcastle, Nathan Brown was obviously able to get Mitchell Pearce to the club. And, you know, you look at the New Zealand Warriors, and I'm just looking here at the signing. We've got Sean Johnson coming back for what I'm sure everyone's hoping to be a fairy tale finish. So talk to us a little bit about, yeah, Sean Johnson coming back to the club. Again, really handy to have someone with his experience coming around because, again, you know, this team was very hit and miss last year. Yeah, and that spine. We always talk time and time again about how important that spine is. And so having Sean Johnson come back is such an up for the Warriors. I mean, he's a great player. He he plays on the right. He's um he's gonna have Chanel Harris Tavita playing on the left. Yeah, I think you make you make a good point, Tash, in terms of or oh, and Dan, but at one point there in twenty twenty one they had like Reese Walsh at fullback, they had Roger on the wing. And then they had Chanel Harris Tavita and Wade Egan at Hooker and um, Sean O'Sullivan. So that's a very young spine. And, you know, we talk about experience. Experience matters in, I guess, the spine more than anything else. I think Penrith showed that you can get away with experience across the whole 17 team um, because they have one of the most inexperienced sides and still won the competition. But when it comes to the spine, like, that's where you need you know, you came in and they brought Chad, Chad Townsend back mid-season just to try and get that experience going in the halves. And, um, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out because he got injured. But, yeah, bringing Sean Johnson back obviously brings that experience and just a bit of calmness in the halves. And I feel like Sean, if anything, when he went to Cronulla, has has gained that maturity again. Like, you know, he, he went there, um, albeit he had a couple of injuries. He's coming back a lot more mature than I guess he was when he left the Warriors. Yeah, definitely, uh, Alicia. And, like, Sean Johnson is going to make the difference. 
um, in there at number seven. But we also look at, you know, the importance of the spine. We've got Reese Walsh, who's, who's had an outstanding season um, and his game's maturing as he goes. Um, Chanel Harris-Tavita is has got a really solid, I think he's an unsung hero to help out and organise there on the left in the number six. Um, now, Wade Egan in the number nine did worry me a little bit at the start of the season because he was doing those no-look passes. Now, you know, yeah, they might come off every now and again, but quite often they didn't. But he's, you know, to the latter part of the season, he eliminated that from his game. So um, Wade Egan, I think his game's developed. He's he's coming up. He's making some really smart decisions and he's looking up. So, yeah, the Warriors' spine is looking quite quite um, effective and dangerous in the 2022 season. Yeah, and, and I guess just to keep everyone excited and interested throughout the preseason, it's still a puzzle uh, because I think, you know, one of the things that I, that Nathan Brown will be able to do is he'll be able to move Sean Johnson into a traditional halfback role where he's not trying to overdo his hand. He's just out there organising the team. And then, Alicia, I, I think he can bring a little bit more accountability to that number six jersey because if you think about his options, he's got Chanel Harris-Tavita, He's got Cody Nicarima. He's got Ash Taylor there at the club on a, on a training trial. You know, what I'm seeing from those group of players is all, all three of those players, remarkably talented, can play at an unbelievably high level for a month. But, you know, that, that inconsistency, when there's so much competition for what we, what we think will be one jersey, hopefully that's going to make a little bit of a difference there for the Warriors and create a little bit of depth and healthy competition. Yeah, and I would argue that, you know, Sean Johnson's career at the Warriors was very you know, hit and miss in terms of his performances. But again, when he went to Cronulla, I feel like he's just matured a bit and he become that guy that just sort of, you know, created still. He was leading try assists for his club, but, you know, he was just a lot more calm. He wasn't out there looking for that miracle play all the time, which is something that he did a lot at the Warriors, um, which, you know, obviously it paid off on most a lot of occasions, but sometimes it didn't when the game was online. So, um, yeah, if, if it was up to me, I would have Ash Taylor. I know he's trained in trial, but he pretty much just has to, you know, stay fit during the off-season and show a little bit. But I'd have him next to, to SJ, you know, round one. I think just have a bit more experience. Why not? I think having Sean Johnson alongside Ash Taylor, you know, could do wonders for both players. Um, and then, obviously, I think Chanel harris has still got a long way to go. He's been thrown into the deep end, you know, in the last couple of years. I feel like he, he's got a great you know, kicking game with his left foot and he's quite creative in his own way, but I just think he needs a bit more time to develop. Um, so, yeah, I'll be going with Ash Taylor. Hopefully, I hope he has a good off-season because I'd like to see him get another chance and hopefully at the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I think, uh, you know, Chanel Harris-Savita, his career is at a bit of a crossroads. Uh, he can go one or two ways. He can sort of fade out and be that really talented youngster that everyone had big raps on but just could never get it right. And maybe he goes to another club and and sort of goes down that path. Or this is his year. You know, with Sean coming in, learning from the best, you know, I I think Chanel, he's got all of the attributes. Again, it comes comes down to that consistency. The other thing I think about is he is a a big body. And I just think with the Warriors, you know, they may want to look at adapting to the modern game. So – you know, is it out of the question that you could throw the 13 jersey on his back and just, you know, have that additional playmaker and someone that's just, you know, I guess try and simplify things for Chanel rather than trying to give him the responsibilities of the entire football team. So, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, definitely a play to watch. I think it's pretty tough on him as well in terms of like what I just said before, but 
like the last two years, you know, Warriors haven't even played a home game and haven't had that luxury of sleeping in their own beds before a game and just just that, like it makes such a big difference and I'm sure we'll touch on how tough that's been for them. But, you know, I feel like a guy like Chanel who's a proud, you know, Warriors junior coming through the system hasn't been able to express himself as much as he would probably like to because he's been in that environment that's just so different to what, you know, other players are used to. Yeah, i got to agree with you again, Alicia, is that that home ground advantage, that fact that you get up out of your own bed and you go to, you go to a home game, um, it's the second year running the Warriors haven't had that and, you know, it's got to be tough. I know that the rest of the teams went into a bubble up in Queensland, but it's not quite the same as, you know, coming from across the ditch. But back on Chanel Harris-Tavita, I really see his game. It's evolved. He's matured. He's 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 coming into great into um, the number six. Like he's identifying opportunities throughout a set, and, and you know, working to areas of the field and where he needs to action them. He's recognizing them and he's doing that. So to your point earlier, yeah, he he's a big body, so he could play a thirteen because. We all know that's like a third pivot nowadays, but I think he's filling the number six role quite well and will complement because he plays on the left, will complement um, Sean Johnson on the right. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And and I, I guess, you know, for the Warriors, all that we can hope as, as rugby league supporters is that they do eventually get to return home and, and play back, uh, you know, at Mount Smart. I think, you know, it was... Not only was it an intimidating, uh, you know, road trip away, you know, you always knew you were going to get a physical battle, but you could actually see that it impacted teams for a couple of weeks. I mean, if a team went over to New Zealand, you know, whether they won, they lost, it was physical, they were battered, bruised. You know, when they returned back to Australia and played the next week, they were flat. That You know, a couple of players were, were out injured. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, you talk about home ground advantages you know what? What new what New Zealand were able to create there for a few years was something different, and yeah, you just love to see what this group could do if given that opportunity. Well, watching the Knights grow up, Dan, and you could probably relate. Like you'd look at the draw and go, "Oh no, we're playing a game in New Zealand," because you could almost just write it off because it was just such a daunting thing to head over there. So, you know, equivalent to almost Melbourne, like you, you SJs and RTS, they just lifted another gear when they were at home, which, you know, they just haven't had the opportunity in the last couple of years. But hopefully 2022 with the borders opening, we can you know, get them back at Mount Smart and, um, you know, playing that brand of footy that we've known and loved comes from the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, well, look, it's time to do our uh, predictions for the 2022 season for the Warriors. Uh, Alicia, I want to get your prediction first, but before I do, another player that I just wanted to sneak in there, Tohu Harris. So I, I guess, you know, one of the things about the Warriors franchise is, and, and, and you know, it could, it could be, you know, this COVID situation, but I just feel like this guy's a rock star. This guy could be box office. I mean, the stats that you see this guy produce, he's elite. He's one of the best players in our game, but he just goes about his business. He flies under the radar, but yeah, I, I guess we have to call him out because yeah, if, if he's not the best, he'd be right up there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with all due respect to guys that, that leave Melbourne, you know, they probably don't kick on as much as what we're used to seeing them in a Melbourne Storm jersey, but this guy's very different. Like he's gone to the Warriors. I think he's won three player of the year awards in a row. This was obviously before he'd done his knee this season. Um, I think that's going to be obviously his big challenge next year is, 
how does he return from that ACL? Um, you know, a guy for his age, probably his first major injury, I think, too. Like, it's a pretty big setback. Um, you know, might take him a year to get back in the full swing of things, but you can't, you know, knock his work rate and what he sort of brings to that Warriors side. And, you know, I have high hopes for Jazz Tavanga as well. I'm, a, you know, quite a little fan of his, but he, he does have a bit, couple of discipline issues. But, you know, if they could have both Tohu and, and Jazz firing, um, you know, they're, they're the guys in the forward pack that they probably need. And, um, you know, hopefully can get back on the suit, uh, back on the field soon, Tohu, because, you know, they really missed him towards the back end of that season this year. Yeah, absolutely. No, just, yeah, again, th- th- this team has the talent. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's just, you know, like we said, it's a puzzle and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Brownie does and how he sort of you know, puts his team together and, you know, every, everyone, you know, whether you're a fan of the Warriors or not, we just want to see them successful and, yeah, th- this team should be should be competing for premierships, that's for sure. Uh, Leisha, in saying that though, uh, yeah, you know, this, this is a bit, little bit of a rebuild they're going through. What's your thoughts for 2022? Yeah, no, I think, you know, they're going to be up at base at Redcliffe at least for that first half of the year, or it might even, it's definitely not the full year, but for those early rounds, um, you know, I, I feel like at least they know that they are there and that can settle them a little bit. But again, I go back to if they can get back home, um, win a few games at home and really ride off that, you know, Sean Johnson in form and the forward pack rolling on, I could see them like sliding into that eighth spot. Um but anything higher than that, I don't think they'll they'll make. But definitely a top eight, you know, that bottom eight is is an option for them. Yeah, look for me, I, I think they're going to be tenth, um, and I'm just going to have to check check my ladder here for 2022 because I've got a few teams in that spot, like a lot of people, but. For me, it's their consistency. You know, tenth is probably where I see them at the moment because you know during their during their best weeks they can they can blow anyone off the park. But um, again, there's a lot of question marks on this team, and you've really just got to predict as to as to you know whether these uh, individual players can take that next step in their in their career. Uh, Chanel Harris Tavita is going to be a big one. How does Reese Walsh? you know, sort of work through that, those sophomore blues, you know, coming into that second year syndrome after everyone just spends an entire off season just, you know, drilling into his tape. So he's going to have to evolve, which is going to be challenging. But, yeah, for me, I predict 10th. What about yourself, Tash? And um, it's rare that I agree with Alicia um, several times in, in the one show and disagree with yourself, but we, we've discussed the spine and I'm looking at positive things from the spine and we talked about that earlier, but... We talk about, um, we haven't spoken about uh, Matt Lodge and Adam Fanua Blake. I think they are two very, like traditionally the Warriors have gone for really big forwards, but these guys are mobile, they've got some footwork, and more recently they're, they're showing a passing game. So you combine these great forwards and and actually in the 2021 season they only got eight games together because of injuries and suspension and whatnot. If they can keep playing together combined with that spine. I'm with Alicia and I'm putting him in the top eight, but only at eight. One thing I've learned about the Warriors, when you least expect it, they do well. I think it was 2018 they made the finals and no one predicted that they would because they just got together and, you know, got it done. I think when you don't think about them, they do well. But when you really go, oh, yeah, talk them up, they'll, they'll miss out. So, yeah, I'm going with eight. But... Yeah, definitely. And, and, and to Tasha's point, if – if a lot of those players could play at Adam Fanua Blake's level, uh, they would go through the season undefeated. What a player. What a superstar. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Yeah, and this week on The Match, we continue our Interclub series where we pick out a couple of plays within the same club. And this week, we're looking into the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and it is the Battle of the Halves, as I guess a new generation of, uh, of players come through and, and try and compete for that halfback jersey to play alongside Cody Walker. The two players that we've got focusing on tonight is Anthony Milford and Blake Taff. Uh, Alicia, I'm going to start with you. Let's, let's talk about Anthony Milford, um, and let's go all the way back because... You know, I guess, you know, following the game, watching him play in that Raiders jersey, immediately you, you, you just thought superstar. You know, he had all of the talent. He could change a game, and that was at a very young age. So, yeah, talk us back about, you know, some of your early memories with a young Anthony Milford because, yeah, what a player. Yeah, I mean, I remember the, the travesty when he got let go by Canberra, and um, I guess it wasn't really Canberra's fault. He wanted to head back, um, back up to Brisbane, but... Yeah, just a little guy. I think, you know, that was around the talk when little players could come back and, and really light up the game. I think they used to sort of refer to him as, as a Matty Bowen or, you know, Preston Campbell, just like he wasn't the tallest player, but he had that that mojo, I guess, in him. Um, and since then, did you like that pun? Did you like that pun, Tash? I love that. I of, love that pun. Mojo. Bit of, bit of mojo. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, and obviously then went to Brisbane and under Wayne Bennett, you know, absolute superstar. We saw him, you know, move to 5'8 from that fullback role and it really suited him. Um, had that great year in 2015. You know, he was basically a minute away from being a premiership winner. And, you know, since then, Wayne Bennett obviously leaving him. Um, we just haven't seen Anthony Milford in the same light again. You know, for whatever reason, he's just... He signed that million-dollar contract and, you know, just sort of fallen away a little bit. And, yes, you can blame all sorts of things and and look look at it a lot more deeper than probably we will now. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was, you know, an awesome player and for whatever reason it's just sort of gone off the rails a bit. So hopefully, you know, another change of scenery and, um, you know, under Jason Demetrio, who he's been coached with before, um, I think in his career, you know, as an assistant coach, I think he could get back on track. So, you know, he's hoping. Yeah, Leish, look, he is only 27 years of age. And, you know, players that are playing in the halves, I, I firmly believe that they get better as they get older and they, they really don't peak until like, you know, 32, 33. So we shouldn't write him off. He he. He went gangbusters early on, but in recent years he's failed to find form and I'm really looking forward to see what um, Jason Demetrio, just how he uses Milford. And uh, I think, um, you know, a fresh start and um, hopefully he, he gains that form that he showed so much promise for. Yeah, and, and all of the rugby league tra- tragics are, are the same, Taj. We're all... Very, very interested to watch Anthony Milford because he is a fascinating player. I, th- I think for me, well, one of the things that I, I quickly picked up is he's not a 5'8". Anthony Milford is a fullback, and I, I've always said that. But the challenge is I feel like, you know, where where, where Brisbane uh, potentially went wrong is, is they left it too late. You know, it's too late in his career for him to move back to fullback, and it's been that way for a couple of seasons now. You you know, I, I guess all of our listeners know just how 
you know, the athleticism that you need to be a modern-day fullback. So for me, I kind of feel like he was forced into the halves, and, and you can kind of see that in his week-to-week play where, you know, uh, sometimes where his running game is, is kind of, you know, he sort of falls back into some of that natural talent, and that's where he sort of shines. Where he's sort of trying to overstructure, overplay, you know, he's not the biggest talker out on the football field. I, I just, yeah, I, I think there, there are a lot of reasons as to why Anthony struggled in the past. Yeah, I don't mind that call at all, Dan, in terms of, yes, he went up there, fullback, turned him into a 5'8". It worked, though, you know, in those early years when he was partnering Ben Hunt. Um, it worked really, really well, and he didn't have that pressure or the game management in him. He could just play footy, you know, a la your Benji Marshall of 2005. Um, but, you know, since then, after he's had a bit more, you know, having to do game management, he's put on a bit of weight as well. He has bulked up a fair bit. He did have a go at fullback this year or last year just to try and get him going, but he obviously is he's past that point now. Um, it may be if you trim down a little bit more and, you know, he could possibly do it if he needed to. But for me, he's just a bench utility now. You know, if he doesn't crack into South seven, uh, sorry, 13, then he will just play what Benji Marshall did this year and just play that 14 role. Hey, Elish, you've just totally read my mind. Um, when you mentioned Benji Marshall, I thought, he's not there. Why can't he play and, and be that utility player off the bench? I think that would be a really smart smart decision for him. But you just said it just before I did. So, yeah, full credit to you, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and definitely not a player that should be on the scrap heap. I mean, he's way too young, way too talented. Uh, to go over and get his paycheck in the UK. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting Interesting to see where he goes. And I, I guess Anthony doesn't want to hear that. He wants that, that starting number seven jersey for the great South Sydney Rabbitohs. But the reason why we think that might be a little bit challenging is because of some of these, uh, well, really talented uh, juniors that are coming through. And uh, tonight, his competitor in the match is Blake Taff. Uh, Alicia, going to throw this one straight to you. Talk, talk to me about your initial uh, thoughts on Blake. Uh, he certainly got tested in a very unique way, uh, I guess, <laughs> coming into coming into the NRL. Yeah, did he what? Um, I feel like we haven't been able to properly see just what he's like as a player purely because he has been playing out of position. You know, everyone sees him as a fullback this year, but he's an out-and-out half. Um, I haven't seen him play a hell of a lot um, of lower grades or anything like that, but I'm keen to see him um, see what happens size-wise with him over the preseason. I think he probably does need to bulk up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, playing the outside a guy like Cody Walker next year, it, it's got to be one of the easiest sort of opportunities, I guess. He, he doesn't have to you know, go too crazy on what he's doing. Adam Reynolds never did that. Um, but he can just control the game in his own way and, and leave it off for sort of Cody in terms of just providing that spark. But I also think, he's got a bit more in him in terms of the spark from what we can tell compared to somebody like Adam Reynolds. Um, obviously Adam had it when he was younger, but not so much as, as he is now. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes um, and just what Blake Taft's actually like as a half. Cause I feel like we've only seen the full back side of it. Yeah. Well, he's only played, made eight appearances um, in the NRL, but I really, I, I firmly believe that he's a great replacement Um 
for Adam Reynolds and what he can do at halfback with an outstanding backline means that he doesn't have to do too much too soon. He can develop his game. And having said that, I can't wait to see the sort of combination, you know, that he builds with, you know, Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, you know, and Damian Cook. So, yeah, uh, Blake Taft's my number seven for uh, a team next year. Yeah, no, I think sometimes rugby league's about taking chances and risks, and this risk that they've taken in letting Adam go, it, it, it's a big one. But they think that they've got a player here, and, and there's a couple other players in the system as well, Lachlan Ilias and a few others who, you know, potentially could play for, for 10 years. And, you know, if it pays off, uh, Taj, to your point, you know, he's not going in being expected to, you know, carry this entire football team. He has got talent all over the park, so he's certainly a good, good place to be. And, and one of the things I like about Blake is, you know, typically when you're a young half and you come in, you typically play too deep and you play away from the away from the defense and you sort of go away from your natural game. Starting, I guess, your career at fullback and getting to see that explosive speed, you know, the defenses, they're going to be on their toes because Blake can cut them to pieces. And um, Alicia, to your point, how handy is it to be playing alongside one of the one of the game's best players at the moment in Cody Walker? All right, guys, another difficult one um, as we throw in an experienced player up against such a young player uh, this week uh, in the South Sydney Rabbitohs system. Uh, but, yeah, we've got we to pick our player here. Uh, Tasha, which way are you going here, Anthony Milford or Blake Taff? I'm definitely going Blake Taff. And we talk about, like, um, he's, he's young, but, you know, my goodness, Latrell Mitchell's not that old. Uh, the Bunnies are, are a team, uh, you know, like Penrith as well, where – where the young players really do blossom. And I think he's he's proven himself to be an NRL um, player in his eight games. And so, yeah, Blake Tafe at number seven. Yeah, uh, Alicia? Yeah, I think if we're picking um, our halfback to partner Cody Walker, then it would be Blake Tafe for me and then um, Anthony Milford as that 14. But in terms of out-and-out footballers at their best, I think Anthony Milford um, – you know, when he's in form, he's one of the best players in the game. But, again, we just haven't seen it. So, yeah, it's probably picking – that's probably sitting on the fence a little bit. But, yeah, Blake Taff is my halfback. Yeah. But then I think long-term, Anthony Milford, what he's done in his career, it's hard to go past him in terms of who's the better player. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to go Blake as well. But I just got this – I just got this feeling that there's, there's something more uh, in Anthony Milford's career, that there's another chapter that he's about to write. I mean – I, to, to your point, Tasha, I wrote off Benji Marshall, uh, I think, once or you know, probably, probably two times, to be honest, and uh, there, he, there he went out uh, in style there in a grand final. But, um, yeah, look, Blake at the moment, uh, way too much talent, um, has got a big future in the game. But, um, yeah, definitely not going to be handed that, 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 uh, that jersey, that's for sure. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we're sticking with our World Cup series. And this week, we're, we're going across to the UK and keeping our eyes on, uh, well, on, on all of those talented English players. Uh, Tasha, I'm going to throw it straight to you. Is there a particular Pommy English player that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, you know, again, we, we everyone's very confident that the Kangaroos are going to, are going to be quite successful, but um, yeah, it's still important to keep an eye on our competition. Yeah, the Kangaroos, Dan, are definitely going to dominate um, in the World Cup. However, if we're looking for a Pommy player to keep an eye on, 
John Bateman has really caught my eye. Like he had a great stint with the NRL uh, with the Raiders. It was really disappointing to see him um, leave, but he'll definitely be definitely be one of the players uh, that England rely on to lead them into the World Cup next year. Yeah, and for me, I, I've got my eye on just a young centre, uh, Jack Wellsby. You know, he's only twenty. Um, he sort of, you know, t- t- took a little bit of time to, to sort of fight his way into the system there, and then bang, back to back premierships. So again, you know, he's he's got the speed, he's got the talent out out there, and uh, yeah, I just think another year of football underneath his belt, he's just going to be a little bit of a problem. Um, if he can make his way into the team, he's still young, he's going to have a lot of competition, but yeah, so far so good, and, and definitely a play to watch. Alicia, what about yourself? I, I guess you know a lot of. Rugby league tragics. They they try and follow the Super League as much as we can, but um, again, there you know there, there are some some pretty serious footballers over there at the moment. Yeah, I can't say that I'm one of those tragics because I don't watch too much Super League. But um, I did tour England with the New Zealand side in 2018, so I do have a little bit of knowledge around it. And I was pretty impressed with Oliver Gilder. He obviously is coming out to the West Tigers in 2022, so looking forward to seeing how he goes. But um. He played centre. I think he was marking up against either Joey Manu or Isar Masters. And Isar Masters was in form that year um, and gave him a bit of a bath. I think he scored the match-winning try in game one of that tri-series and um, played pretty well in the second and third game. So, yeah, I'm pretty keen to see how he goes. I think he'll be there for England at the World Cup next year. And, um, yeah, we, we haven't really seen too many Super League outside backs do well in the NRL, so I'm hoping that he is, you know, a rare one that comes over and and really gives it a good hot crack. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you did, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports. Recording stopped.